This is ESPN New York Tonight with Larry Hardesty and Gordon Damer on 98.7 ESPN. Gordon Damer, welcome back. Oh, my, my friend Larry, it's so nice to hear your voice again. It's so nice to be back with you. It doesn't seem like that week that I was away. Sometimes you go away for a week and you miss a lot. Yes. I think I picked a good week to go away, actually. Feels like a lot of the same stories that we were talking about then or, or we're still talking about now. No baseball, Nick's still losing. Yeah. <laughs> the more <laughs> not, things not change, a lot of right? change, no. <laughs> so first of all, let's get the important stuff out of the way. Where'd you go? What you do? Oh, we went to Florida. You know, we go to Florida. We like to try nice. to take a little week in Florida. Um, okay. You know, after the football's over, after the Super Bowl's over. Some years, you know, we've not gotten a, ch- a chance to do it. We, we didn't get the chance to do it last year, obviously, with everything going on. So this year, getting away for a little week, it was very nice. It was, uh, you know, 75 to 80 degrees every day, shorts and flip-flops. So it was fantastic. All right, admit it. You were down there scouting to see what the Dolphins are up to. No, getting oh, no, some combine no, no. information. I was, I had, I was very zen down there. You know, oh, cool. just uh, enjoying the time away, enjoying the, um, the ocean, the pool, everything. Some kids, everything else. So my kids, other kids in the family. So it was a fun time had by all. Well, that's a good thing. Well, we missed you. We welcome you back. And uh, we thank Mrs. Damer for allowing you to come back. <laughs> <laughs> you know, there is that moment when you're down there, you're like, why doesn't every, why are we all living here? And actually, as it turns out, just about everybody's down there already. Yeah, yeah, I know what you mean. I know what you mean. Well, Gordon, of course, we'll keep an eye out on what's going on with baseball. I guess the positive thing is they're still talking. So as long as they're still talking, they could luck into to a resolution. So we'll keep an eye on that. I know Carlin was all over it, so we'll keep an eye on it. We'll come back to it. But, Gordon, I want to get your thoughts on a couple of things. And this, obviously, this net team that we're still waiting for. And we saw James Harden yesterday just, uh, you know, do what everybody does against the Knicks, embarrass them. And it's just real interesting to see, kind of get a preview. And, yes, I get it. It's against a Minnesota team that's not good. It's against a Knicks team that's not good. Uh, But when you have the opportunity to, to get an idea of what this Harden-MB situation could look like, Gordon, this Philly team could be scary. No question. And when they made that deal, even before they made that deal and we were talking about it, I, it didn't really make a lot of sense to me to be helping out your, your enemy. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it has the potential, and you knew it had the potential of Harden going there and all of a sudden Harden wanting to play and wanting to try that this could make you look really bad because before that trade, the Sixers were not getting anything out of Ben Simmons the entire year. Now, you might not have gotten anything out of Harden, but I think you had a better chance of getting something out of Harden after the trade deadline if he was still on your team as opposed to Ben Simmons doing anything for Philadelphia. So what you did was you took a team that you very well might be competing against in the Eastern Conference this year, and you improved them. Now, you might, you're might hoping you improved yourself. You, you hope that you found some... Uh, a piece that is going to help you in some areas of weakness that you had. But, yeah, this has the potential to really kind of blow up in the Nets' face. I know they feel like they were pushed to it because Harden uh, wanted out, and it was clear that he wanted out. But, yeah, I mean, this is this is the nightmare scenario so far for the Nets in that Harden has gone there and has looked fantastic, and Ben Simmons hasn't done anything for you. 
and he's still ramped up. We have no idea when he's going to play. I mean, you know, I thought earlier when he was here, when he first came, it was like, well, we're going to, you know, we're not going to baby him. We're going to put him out there and see what he can do. We're going to get him rolling. He, they're still ramping, quote, ramping him up, Gordon. I mean, so clearly, he, he, here's the translation. We don't want to play him in Philly on the 10th. <laughs> that's that's my translation. Yeah. We'll, get him, we'll get him going, and maybe after the 10th, you know, we'll see what happens, and, and he'll be okay, but we're still trying to get him ready. Gordon, he hasn't played since June, okay? Yep. He is well-rested. We know that. And the only way to give him NBA, to get him in NBA shape, is to put him in an NBA game. You can't even simulate this in practice. Nope. Uh, and you watch the Nets tonight just get absolutely oh. hammered by the Raptors, a game that they really were not competitive in. And, you know, there's part of it when you're watching the game, you're like, yeah, it's the Nets, but it's not really the Nets, right? Mm -hmm. Until Kevin Durant gets back, uh, until you get to see what Ben Simmons has, and until you get some clarification or, or maybe some, some definition on what's going to happen with Kyrie Irving come the playoffs, this is not really the Nets team, but you got 20 games left here. That's right. You got to yeah. get moving. I mean, it's like that scene in Rocky Two where Mickey's in the church. He's like, you know, all this happens not so far away, and, and you're not ready. The Nets aren't ready right now. Now, it looks like they're going to get Durant back here before too long. Maybe but I like that the idea is with Simmons, well, you know, we're not going to play him until the 10th. It's not even March 1st yet, and we're already ruling out another 10 days. <laughs> It, it, what is he doing? Is he let, let's stick with your Rocky analogy? Is he like, is is he in the chicken coop chasing the chicken? I mean, what He's, is he doing? Gordon, I, I'm not exactly sure. I'm not exactly sure what we're doing here. And I get it. They don't want him to bring. You know, the, the the they're they're sensitive to the the whole drama of the scene of Philadelphia. They don't want that to be his first game back. But now it seems like you've already ruled out that he's not gonna. That's not gonna be his first game but you're not going to play him before that. So now you're talking about after that. Yeah. you got a lot of pieces. And look, Kevin Durant, I'm a huge fan. He makes everything better. You get yeah, him, great. that's a huge piece. Of course, he's one of the best players in the league, no question about it. Mm -hmm. But, man, they got a lot of stuff to do and not a, lot of, lot, not a long road to get there. Well, here's the positives for them. In that deal, they were able to get a Drummond who has been a major factor for them. I mean, clearly from defending the pain and rebounding, he's been dominant, okay? So that's a positive because they needed somebody at the center position to fill that role. And I think Seth Curry in the perfect world, you know, is another three-point scorer. Yeah, Patty Mills played a lot of time because filling in for Kyrie and Harden when he was hurt. And, yeah, you, you've got uh, Seth Curry here who's a guy who's really filling in for Joe Harris. So they were able to get some things in the deal, Gordon, that, you know, will help them out and I think fills a couple of needs. And, of course, while you're away, uh, Goran Dragic has joined the right, team as, sure. as uh, you know, some depth in the backcourt. So they, they they addressed some things. Here's the only downside with Philly, and Buddha and I were talking about it last night, is the same drummer that's helping the Nets is now uh, – drum. the Sixers are now needing a backup center for Embiid. At this rate, Embiid's going to be playing – uh, as if Tom Thibodeau is the coach. <laughs> He's going to be playing 38 minutes a game at this point. Yeah, Because Paul Millsap is the backup. That's not going to work in the postseason. No, that's not going to work in the postseason. But, look, they still have some time there. Uh, the, the, the trade has worked out exactly how they had hoped, at least so far, with the two games. I get it. You, you know, you mentioned the, the, it's not exactly the, the stiffest competition in the world. But 
you know, for, for Harden to get in there, he was at least playing in some game. I know he'd missed some games there before the trade deadline and all that type of stuff, but he's played in NBA games this season. Ben Simmons hasn't done that at all. No. And right. uh, you can be training however you want. That's not that's an NBA minute. So, yeah, the Nets have a, a lot to do and a, a long way to go and a short time to get there. They do. And the one thing, I'll say this before we go to break and take some calls. Gordon, is if if – Harden plays the way he played for the Nets last season. He's going to make Joel and be the very happy man. The other thing they're going to have to fill out, find out is how they can get um, uh, Harris back involved because he's kind of searching for where he belongs now because he was the second scorer. Well, you're sure. not the second scorer now. Now you're the third scorer. So they just have to figure out where he fits, but – they're, they're going to be interesting. They're going to be interesting. But they have some things to work out. Here's, here's the thing we find out, Gordon. There's no perfect teams in the NBA. None. No. No, certainly None. not. Not in the East, anyway. Yeah, um, everybody's got seems like everybody's kind of flawed. Yep. They do. It's wide open. 1-800-919-3776. Also via Twitter, at Hardesty ESPN, at Gordon Damer, at ESPNNY, 98 underscore 7 FM. Gordon, let's yes, go sir. to the phone. All Spike right. is in St. Pete. What's up, Coach? Hey, good to catch you guys. I'll reiterate what I told you today, Larry and Buddha. Gordon, welcome back. What part of Florida were we in? Uh, we were in uh, Captiva, Captiva, Florida. Oh, okay. Oh, yeah. okay. You were right near me. I got married in Sanibel Island. All right, there you go. That's one, that's one down, yeah. But you, you, I was you, the guy honking the horn as I went past, Larry. You know? <laughs> yeah, hey, Spike, here we go. <laughs> uh, would have been happy to buy you and your family lunch. Did you uh, fly into Fort Myers? We did, yeah. yeah Do you course. want my okay. credit card yeah, information yeah. here, Spike? <laughs> I mean, you know, uh, no. Some things are best to remain no. a mystery, you know? No, that's okay. I had a man on. You're watching. You see if uh, you were stepped right. out of bounds. I was just uh, <laughs> laughing because I heard I picked you up when you said the 75 every day, so I figured you were down here. Yes. The weather's great. There's a fact, though. Oh, real quick, I'll reiterate what we talked about uh, today, Larry and Buddha. Uh, with Buddha also, Philly has made a good short-term deal. And again, I, uh, Minnesota is a weak defensive team. They're a pretty good team this year. They're probably in the playoffs, but defensively, they stink. Uh, well. What I've seen from Embiid this year is brilliant. He's as good a big man. Uh, this is as good of a big uh, man's year, even better than Jokic was last year. Just tremendous, tremendous footwork. And But you need a break for him. And, uh, you know, Drummond was a good filler for 12, 15 minutes, and uh, you just can't keep him on the floor at the end of the game with the free throws again. But I think uh, Brooklyn, I, I, you just don't know. You don't know what's with Simmons. You know, I hear uh, all day they're talking about he'll be ready the day after the Philly game. He's eventually going to have to play Philly. Uh, is back going to be bad? Kyrie, it looks like the mandate's going to be lifted, but those guys got to get 10 or 15 games under their belt. And they're not that big, Brooklyn. You know, I mean, we're drumming, but that's a part-time player. Uh, Harden looks, you know, again, miracle happened. His hamstring got better. But he played like the Knicks. Oh, the Knicks. Larry, if I saw one more pick and roll, I was going to puke. I, I, it was just a it, it was terrible. And you know what? The officials, that's an easy call with them, Bede and, and Harden, because they got fouled. They didn't give them any. You know, they got they got fouled. And uh, But, uh, listen, I'll leave it at this. I, I, I think Milwaukee is, is – uh, they were 3-1 to one on promo code, uh, promo code Gordon, 
and uh, Philly was 10 to 1, and that was as of before yesterday's game, just to get out of the East. I mean, I would uh, put a few bucks on Philly at 10 to 1 to get out of the East because I don't see uh, Miami. Uh, I think they're a little too small. They're really mm-hmm. good. And I don't think Chicago's ready. So those are my two teams. Uh, everyone wants to see Philly play uh, Brooklyn. I understand why. It would be the one that would get the eyeballs on. But I think it's going to be Philly and Milwaukee. Last, one question for you, though, and thanks for the time. Great to talk to you guys. They do not, N-O-T, reseed in basketball, right? No. No. Mm-mm. Okay. All right. So that means that where they've won place four and after the elimination. And, my God, I know Ty went on vacation this week. Mm-hmm. I was busting his chops and he was busting mine. The Lakers. Oh, my God. Did you ever see a team go down that fast? And 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 here's what's so bad, Spike, and thanks for the phone call. We'll talk to you again soon. Gordon, they're, work, they're, as bad, they're playing as bad as the Knicks with more talent. <laughs> yeah, that's not a good sign, right? <laughs> I mean, that's not good. They've been horrible. And to the point that, I mean, they're booing LeBron. It's, it's real, you know, the conversation about maybe he wants to go back to Cleveland. And, you know, it, it's just, I mean, Ramon, Ramona Shelburne had uh, some interesting comments about how folks out there feeling about uh, what's going on with the, with their Lakers right now. And they just, you know, the big thing, Gordon, is Anthony Davis just can't stay healthy. He's never really been able to. And, um, I mean, they were they were playing well last year in the playoffs, and then he went down. I, I, I'm not sure was it what, when they played Phoenix. I think it was either 1-1 or 2-1. Um, and then he goes down, and then the rest is history. And, and he guy just can't stay healthy. Uh, that's mm-hmm. always been the rap on him. And they got to get him back for the playoffs because – if they don't get him back in time for the play-in, <laughs> they might not make it out of that. No, they they might not make the play-in. Right. <laughs> the at this going. rate, yeah, you're right. They are struggling. They are struggling mightily. And, you know, I don't know what they're going to do with uh, Russell Westbrook, who is still just, just they Oof. just can't get the, they just, they, they just, it looks bad. It really does. Oh, I, what did they have, 16 turnovers in the first half yesterday yes. or something like that? I mean, yes, it was just, did. it was ugly. Yeah, it was. It really was. It, it was just ridiculous. It was ridiculous. Doug's in Long Island. What's up, Doug? You're next on 98.7. Hey, Larry. How are you, buddy? I'm how are good, you, man. Gordon? Good to Thank hear you back. Hey, Thanks, Larry. I wanted to tell you, I met a bunch of your WBAU guys at Chuck D's art exhibit at Westbury on the 22nd. Oh, yeah? A lot of great okay. things to say about you. Yeah, it was just at the 22nd. Great. Chuck's a great artist. He is. And I um, just want to say a couple things and bounce around. The Nets are going to be a tough out as an eighth seed, you know, and secondly, the Knicks, it was good until it wasn't. And then thirdly, uh, and, and maybe lastly, but I was watching a little bit of the Dallas game and I was watching something that a lot of people may not have noticed. He hit some big shots and he defended. I was watching Bullock defend and I said, that's one of the things the Knicks miss. They can be up by 20. Then we just can't stop anybody. The rotations are no longer there, but the defensive pressure is not there on the perimeter. I know another Eastern Conference coach who said they can't stop anybody in the end of the game. No, they can't. Can't. Listen, They just can't stop anybody, and that's what's missing. So you went for the shiny objects, which I probably would have went for as well. Mm -hmm. But a team is the construction of pieces fitting into a puzzle. And last year, as much as the fans called up 
get rid of Clayton, get rid of but let's get something. Those guys freaking defended. They defended and they deferred, and that's why you had a better team. Not necessarily better players, but better teams and spots, better pieces in the puzzle. So you're going to have to reconstruct that. You're still, mm-hmm. you know, better than we've been in a long time, and you have to not j- abandon ship. You have to put these pieces together, and please, they're ready to fire the coach. I mean, I'm like, come on, guys, listen. Now you, you carry Julius Randle off on a white horse last year, and now, ah, yeah, let's, let's get rid of him. The first one, my brother signed him. Get rid of him. And then he's good. Oh, I mean, relax. Put it together. It's not done overnight. You have some flexibility. You have some picks. You have some pieces. Relax. But I did see Bullock yesterday, and I was thinking mm-hmm. to myself, it's one of the things. I watched him in the end, and he put a little pressure on Curry that made a difference. You know, it's and interesting, it Doug. It. It's interesting, Doug, and thanks for the phone call. You're right. But here, here, is, here was their thinking. And Gordon, they just chose the wrong people. That's Their the thinking problem. was, Absolutely. okay, we need to inc- – okay, we know that we can – we need to score more than what we did last year because we can't rely on our defense to be that great. It was a lockdown defense. But as you got in the postseason, you realized that the lockdown defense wasn't locked down <laughs> because you couldn't score enough points. So they needed to get more scoring. They just chose the wrong people to make that happen. And so you're right. They now have to go back and correct the wrong that they made and get some and, and adjust to this. Here's the thing, Gordon, and you, it was so – I'm glad you were on the plane and didn't see the game. <laughs> it, it, it was – what was so evident is maybe – yeah, and, and what you said about Bullock is true, but there's just no communication. So that's why the pick and roll constantly works. That's why Julius Randle stands and people cut without the basketball and move, and he's just looking because he's watching the ball and not his man. Because unlike them, teams pass, teams move their bodies. They don't dribble from person to person. You know what I'm saying, Gordon? They cut, they move, they move without the basketball. See, the Knicks don't do that. So since they don't do it offensively, they can't find anybody defensively because that's all the teams do. They just move, and they get wide-open shots all the time. Yeah, and as you were saying, the moving off of Bullock and the moving off of Peyton, that was not the mistake. It's actually kind of mind-boggling that you could not find anybody and the people that you signed were not upgrades. Mm-hmm. Because that that should be easy to be able to upgrade offensively from those two spots. Uh, that should not be hard, and the Knicks did not do that. And you know, you watch Fournier, and I was watching him against the Sixers. They're asking him because the the other parts are just not meshing together. They're asking him to be a, a complete player that he's not. He's a catch and shoot kind of guy. That's he right. might he might take you off, you know, a, a little dribble here or there to create some space. But yeah, I mean, you watch him against the Sixers. The guy's trying to to create off the dribble, and that's not his game. It's not his game. Not his game at all. So some of that, you know, he's had parts this year where he's just not played well. But some of it is that they're just asking him to play a role that he is just that's not that's not his skill set. So and it kind of comes back to the point guard, right? I mean, yeah, I, we, exactly. I'm not going to go down that road again. But um, yeah, to me, the the moving off of Peyton, the moving off of, of Bullock was not really the problem. The problem was that they somehow, against all odds, did not upgrade from those two positions. They didn't, and he, and, and this is the same thing. What I'm just saying, Gordon, you 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 know backed me up perfectly. 
if you set some screens for Fournier, then mm-hmm. when he got off the screens, he, and you see it all the time. He dribbles. Somebody comes out. They give him the ball. Somebody comes out to guard him on the perimeter. He knows he can't get the shot off. It's going to be blocked. Now he's got to dribble yep. and, and, and give it up and then go around. I mean, you know, like I said last night, look, Tom Thibodeau has, has got his share of the blame for how this team is done. No question. The front office has got their share of blame on why the season has been like this. But Gordon, the players have to take a large part of the problem as well because they have not played basketball smart. They've, been, they, they've gotten all Fs in basketball smarts this season. They just have. It's, it's yeah. awful when you see them. Fundamentally, they just make the same mistake over and over and over and over again. It's almost like last year didn't exist. You know, if, if you had taken somehow taken last year and just like pulled it out of the, the record books and you just went from two years ago to this year, it would not seem that much of a difference. It would seem, yeah, this is kind of what we expect. But last year, you know, the moves that the Knicks made in the offseason, I, I, I think a lot of us kind of put some weight into them because the, the Knicks after last year had kind of built up some good, good feelings, some good vibes. Mm-hmm. Um, so you kind of trusted. Well, these are, these are kind of strange moves, but you know what? I trust Tom Thibodeau. I trust Leon Rose. Look at the way he was able to go get Derek Rose for basically nothing and the impact that he had. So, so clearly they know something, and uh, those moves have not worked. Uh, so they, they, have, not. they have to go into this offseason with a far better approach, a far better plan, and, and, and far better results, no question. No question about it. Uh, Andy Martino from SNY reporting significant. This is what he just tweeted out. Per multiple sources with direct knowledge, the major topic right now and holdup is not the CBT, but whether to expand postseason to 12 or 14 teams. Players Association wants 12, 14, very important to owners. This has been a big part of today. My gut feeling is is that the the players and the owners, especially the owners in this case because it's a lockout, they don't get anything done. There's never a case where like it's a surprise good news. It's always surprising mm. bad news. And then when it gets to the moment where the rubber hits the road, it doesn't happen then, and then it happens like later than that. So it's always past all the the, the, the possible deadlines, and when it seems like all hope is lost – that's when they strike a deal. So I don't get – I know that there seems to be some optimism. It almost seems like whatever kind of report you want today, you could kind of get that. If you want the negativity, there's plenty of reports out there about negativity. If you want some, some positive uh, viewpoints that maybe something can get done here in the next 24 hours or so, it seems like there's some of that too. Uh, I just know in the past – that these type of things don't get done until way past what the initial deadline is. And the initial deadline is completely concocted by the owners. It doesn't mean anything. And they can, they can push back spring training. They don't need four weeks of spring training to have mm-hmm. spring training. So the deadline that was set for today didn't really mean a whole lot to me. But we'll see if something gets done here. In the next. I ho- I'm hoping to be wrong, mm-hmm. but I just know in the past it always seems like these, they're the kid, the the owners and players, the kid who makes the science experiment the day before the science experiment. You know, the, yeah. the science fair at school, they're, there they are at 1130 at night making dinosaurs out of clay. So <laughs> we'll see if something gets done here in the next 24 hours. Let's hope so. I, I, I agree with you. I hope so as well. I'm just kind of surprised that playoff teams are the number, the, the big, you know, the big 
conversation right now, I would still think that the the tax is going to be the deal that's going to separate everything here. Well, I think that the owners, they see that playoff revenue and they want more playoff teams. They want to be just they want to be just like the NBA and the NFL and get that that extra playoff revenue in there. So um, the fact that they want four, I mean, 14 teams in baseball, (laughs) you know what? Let's let's take the whole game and let's make it like everything else. Let's mm-hmm. just make it like everything else. Let's take everything that is a, that is um, uh, essential to baseball that makes baseball unique, and let's just throw it out the window. So, and if the owners have to throw away a week of games, a couple of weeks of games, the first month of the season doesn't really matter to them because you know what? When they get their fourteen playoff teams in there. It'll all. I'm sure it'll all work out. We can criticize Rob Manfred, and everybody does. When it comes to these negotiation sessions, since he has been the the um, commissioner of baseball, the owners have done very, very well. Yes, they have, and that's why he's still there. Yeah, absolutely <laughs> right. The first time he does, the first time he has a bad a bad showing, he won't be there for the next showing. You'll know. Because he'll be gone. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> you know, be former former commissioner Rob Manfred. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> So no, they're they're rolling. They are rolling with him, and you know they're very happy. I just, for me, Gordon and, and Brian, keep an eye on Will, because Will Will in the studio, Gordon is 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 a big time baseball fan. He's he's struggling. So Brian, keep an eye on him. Um, I, Gordon, fourteen teams. What are oh, we going to do? Be, best of three. I it's mean, ridiculous. What, I mean, how long is this season going to go? It, it, here's Don't the do thing. this to me, please. This is the thing. It's 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 always with baseball uh, under Rob Manfred. It's never about what's best for the game. It's just what about what's what makes the most money. Like so, solving the actual problems that's not really up for debate here. They're not going to really solve anything. The owners are going to put the pressure on the players to cancel some games, push the season back, get everybody concerned about money. And then when the the time is right for them to make their deal and get what they want, they'll get what they want, and the the players will get a deal that they can live with. That's the that's the way this is going to go. Yeah, and of course April, everybody understands with rainouts and stuff like that. They they're, they're not going to no, lose they're, a ton of money. That. April's, I mean, no big deal. And you know, I'm, two things that have aggravated me today has been. You know, this this uh, singular focus on Rob Manfred. And look, if you want to blame Rob Manfred, certainly go right ahead. Mm-hmm. Um, he, he's just the mouthpiece for the owners. He's just the guy that takes the bullets for the owners. Yeah. The, pr- the problem, the people you have a problem with are the owners. It's just that Manfred is the guy who's seen as as the, the, the spokesman or the, the, the focal point. Uh, of the owner's side, but it's really the owners that are the ones that are pushing it. It's not, Man- it's not Manfred going to the owners and saying, okay, guys, this is what we're going to do. It's the owners going to Manfred saying, no, Rob, this is what you're going to do, and he goes and does it. And then the second thing is that people, even still, don't they care about the fans? No, no. they don't. <laughs> I mean, how much more evidence do you need that they don't care about the fans because the fans, like myself included, we're all suckers. When there's games, we'll all be back. We can all say this, oh, I'm never going back. I'm never doing this. I'm never watching again. We're all full of it. And the owners know that. But here's the question, Gordon, and I'm curious. I want the fans to weigh in. 1-800-919-3776. Is there anything that they can do that would you that you will say, this is the final straw. I'm not watching it. I'm done. I'm done. I mean, I hear people calling. I hear Kay was talking to a bunch of folks today, telling them, yeah, you say that, but we know you'll be back. I'm just curious, is it, even if they watch, they don't have to go to the games, Gordon, because that's ultimately where it really hurts 
the owners if you don't go through the games, if you don't get that turnstile revenue. Even if you stay home, listen, parking is is a bunch of money for you to go. I mean, you know, TVs, you get 85-inch TV, Gordon, I'm telling you. My neighbor just told me, I got an 85-inch TV. Boy, the game looks good <laughs> on the 85-inch TV. Right. Yeah, you don't have to park. You don't have to wait in line for the bathroom. And you don't have to pay $10 for, for a $2 beer. So what is what is going to be that line that you say, you know what? This is it. I'm done. I'm done. I'm not going to let you do this to me again. This is not like when they canceled the World Series, Gordon. There's plenty of things that are streaming <laughs> that you can watch and you can do without baseball. I'm just curious, what's it going to take? Uh, uh, well, if if it exists, whatever that it is, we have not found it as of yet. Okay. We we find it maybe for for times, right? The '94 strike certainly did damage to the game, uh, and I know everybody has their 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 pitchforks and their torches out. And if they start canceling games, which it will, I will not be surprised if they cancel some games here before too long if they don't have a deal. Um, but we all go back. You know, it's like every every Sunday night I sit on the couch and say, you know what? This week I got to start eating a little bit better. I got to I got to do this. I got to do I got to drink more water. I got to get my 10,000 steps. But then Monday I'm looking through the, the pantry. What, what can I snack? I'm looking for something sweet. I need a little something sweet yeah. to snack on. So it goes right out the window. So we have no uh, fans in general. We have no backbone. So we can mm-hmm. all say what we want about, oh, this is terrible. And I hate it. 14 playoff teams is absolutely ridiculous. It's, it's not baseball. It's outlandish. It's ruining the game. But in October, I'll be there like a dope watching <laughs> like everybody else. Okay. I hear what you're saying. But, uh, and I understand it. I do as a fan. I get it. But I just think that eventually there's going to be one time one time that baseball just takes their fans for granted and they're going to look up and some are just going to say, you know what? We're done. We're done. Well, I'm done. If canceling the World Series in 94 didn't finish it off. You're right. Make a great point. It's kind of, kind of hard to top that. Make a great point. John Heyman tweeted out, MLB expected to make another proposal within 30 minutes, chances to beat the deadline. Of course, with today's progress, they could keep talking tomorrow. See, that's good. That's a positive. You know what? Another thing that I keep coming up with things that bother me about this yes. whole thing. Yes. Yes. All day they're like, oh, they got they, they have session. They're going to have a third session. They're going to have a fourth session. They're they're having a seventh session. It's not seven sessions. It's one session. It's one yeah. day. What mm-hmm. is this seven session? Making it seem like you're doing more than you're actually. You're walking back and forth and you're making proposals. Now, if you want to say it's a seventh proposal, mm-hmm. okay, fine. But it's it's not it's all one session. It's this is all ridiculous. This this idea that you're having all these different sessions. It's one day that you you've actually started to do something here. Yeah. Boy, that's that's called. We're really in this. We're still talking. We're really still talking. Mm. Oh, we're, we're really we're we're, yeah, we're we're burning the midnight oil for the fans. We know how important the fans are. They they, they say all these things, but they don't mean any of them. You know, at the end of the day, words are cheap, but actions tell you a whole lot more. And the actions are they don't care about the fans. They care about the making the most amount of money in the short term and, and the future be damned. Because down the road, they'll find some other way to, to, to pipe in some more money and grow the pie even more. We start to roll towards the draft, Gordon. We start to roll towards the draft. It's a big draft this year. Jets, yes, Giants. It is. The Eagles have three picks in the first round. Dolphins. 
While they do have a pick, they traded away their pick to uh, move up for, for Jalen Waddell in the uh, last year's draft. But they, they'll pick 29th. They've done such a great job in the top 10 <laughs> that they're going to wait till 29 this year. I'm sure they'll get a real home run there. They'll probably do a better job. <laughs> uh, well, I wouldn't get your hopes up on that one. Speaking of things that you shouldn't get your hopes up on. But, you know, and, and listen, I, I know that uh, former Jets special teams coordinator Mike Westhoff, I know what he thinks of the underwear Olympics. But still, it's it's just, Gordon, that's what we love about football. There's always something going on with it. And if this gives us any indication, and I know it doesn't, it doesn't necessarily mean a lot, but just to be able to see what scouts see and to look at your player, the player you follow, the, or the player you think can help your team, man, you, you're you looking for anything football right now. And that's going to be an interesting thing to see how, how these young athletes perform in this uh you know, in, in the combine, considering they didn't have one last year. Well, look, I, I know that there's been some criticism of, of, of mock drafts and, you know, people can't figure out, oh, it's mock draft 5.0. It's just that we like talking about football. And when you root for a bad team, like the Jets and Giants have been here for the last five years at least, this is the time where you can have some hope. This is the time where you feel like, you know what, if we can get this guy or we can get that guy – it can be different. The, the fun time is not during the season. The season is the, is the offseason because the seasons mm-hmm. are over before Halloween. So now this mm-hmm. year with the, the, the Jets with their first pick at four and the Giants at five and then the Jets and Giants with other picks in the first round, I think whether the Jets at 10 and the Giants are at seven, this is the time where you can have some hope and you can look to a brighter future, especially for the Giants with a new head coach, with a new GM. Uh, th- th- that's why we like talking about football. That's why mock drafts and the, and the draft season in the NFL, I mean, it's our national religion football. I mean, it's, mm-hmm. it's bigger than it's ever been. And so everything about it becomes bigger, and that includes the draft. Yeah, absolutely. There's no question about it. And this is your first, you know, this is where you start to get the conversations, right? This is where it begins. And listen, we understand that the, that. <laughs> that it's going to be like the weather. People are going up and they're down and they're up and they're down and they're down and they're up. And what happened? What's going on? What's this? What's that? So I, I get that. I understand that. But, you know, if you're a Jet fan and a Giant fan, first of all, for especially if you're a Giant fan, you've got a new, you got a new head coach. You've got a new uh, general manager. You want to see what exactly they're going to do. You're kind of curious. You're hearing names, and you want to see what these guys can do. And so you're going, you know, you're you're on the internet. You're looking. You're you're seeing what they what, what these players look like. And Gordon, look, we understand that um, <laughs> you know everybody looks great on 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 the internet because they've cut their best <laughs> the best uh, play that they've had all year in their career. We get that, but it kind of gives you you know a, a little peek into you know w- what type of player you may be getting. Yeah, and for so, and, you know, as you said, for the Giants, it's going to show you uh, how Joe Shane's going to go about building this roster and building this team and what direction they're looking for for these two first-round picks and other picks in the draft. They have a lot of draft capital. They have an extra third-round pick from Miami from a year ago. So they've got a lot of picks, and they've got a lot of holes, and, and you're interested to see how is he going to go about this because, let's be honest, the last guy who was building things for the Giants – 
didn't do a very good job. So mm-hmm. th- this is a fresh start for them. It's a new coaching staff. It's a new head coach, a first-time head coach. A lot of decisions to be made. I know Jordan Renan reported that the Giants are not expected to pick up the fifth-year option on Daniel Jones's contract. Mm-hmm. There's been plenty of rumors about Saquon Barkley possibly get being dealt. The mm-hmm. Giants have to clear out a whole bunch of salary cap and, and kind of get this thing restarted uh, mm-hmm. from the financial uh, portion of this. So uh, this is going to be a very interesting offseason. I'll be, I'll be interested as well. You know, when the first couple of mock drafts came out, the, it seemed like during the season that the, the number one guy was going to be uh, Kayvon Thibodeau from mm-hmm. Oregon, the, the, the pass rusher from Oregon. Yes. Mm-hmm. And he was going to be the number one pick. And then Adrian, Adrian Hutchinson, the, the kid from Michigan, um, he kind of overtook him. And now it seems like neither Hutchinson nor Thibodeau are going to be going one. And I've, I've seen a lot of drafts that say the Jets, that, that Thibodeau will be sitting there for the Jets at number four, and not necessarily a, a need per se, mm-hmm. but, I mean, a, a pass rusher has always been kind of a need for the, for the Jets for a very long time. They thought that they had it with Lawson last year, and then he blows out the Achilles. Mm-hmm. And so that, I mean, that's, that's interesting to me. That's, that's far more interesting right there than a lot of what happened during the Jets season. I hate right. to break it. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, that's true. more interesting to me. So that's why I think the draft gets as much, as much, um, as much focus and as much attention because all the different storylines and possibilities. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, just looking at it, and, and of course we're all speculating because nobody really knows. Nobody <laughs> knows. The Jets <laughs> don't the know. <laughs> exactly. Including the teams. They don't know. But, Gordon, the, any, anybody they choose – is a need. They need a yeah, lot of folks. That's true, yeah. No, they absolutely. need everything. They need everything. And it's about time that, you know, come on. I, I understand, and I talk about this all the time. I get it. I know they got all these different offensive four wides, five wides, shotgun, pistol, all this stuff. Gordon, it doesn't change. You build your team from the lines out. That's how you get better. You have to you have solid offensive line, solid defensive line. Hope to God you got a decent quarterback. But you know what? You don't have to have Aaron Rodgers to win if you have a solid offensive line, Gordon. You you can you can be you can be a a a, a better quarterback, and I'm not saying you could be a, a scrub quarterback, but I'm saying you could, if you have a solid offensive line that's going to give you time to throw, Gordon, you'll find somebody that's open. Yeah, well, if they're ever going to find out if Zach Wilson is going to be anywhere close to Aaron Rodgers, they're going to have to build a better offensive line. Than Absolutely. And the line was not as bad last year as, as other years. And this year, it's supposed to be a very deep offensive line class. And the Jets mm-hmm. have a lot of picks. They pick at 10. They pick 35. I think they have another pick after that, like 38 or 39. So they have a bunch of picks here to be able to spend. And, and this is... This is about the time, you know, like the Jets are a little farther down the pipeline than the Giants are. At least the Jets hope so because mm-hmm. the, the GM has been here. It's the second year for the head coach, the second year for the quarterback. So you're hoping that this is going to be the, the not just the next step, but like the next big step forward. Yeah. Uh, and that this draft class is going to have a lot of hits in it. They need to. They, they, I mean, they for do. Joe Douglas's sake, they need to hit in a lot of things in this draft class to be um, moving because they've been, they've been bad for – I mean, they have missed the playoffs longer than any other team currently in the NFL. That's right. It's going to be 11 years. 2010, last time they were I, That is a long – that is a long time in the NFL. In, in, in a sport where you can go from almost from worst to first. 
Oh, with, yeah. Oh, with, we with see it all the time. Choice, Absolutely. Right? With a good draft choice and some free agent signings, you can go from worst to first in your division. You can. You can. Now, I will say this. I don't know if they could do it in that division because Buffalo's not going anywhere. No. And and Belichick's going to find a way to retool and, and get his, his quarterback with a year. I mean, look, he got his quarterback to the postseason as a rookie. So, you know, all that, well, we got to learn. We, he's got the experience. He knows what it takes to get to the postseason. Now he's got to improve on that, and Belichick will help him with whoever the offensive coordinator is going to be. And um, maybe Adam Gase. And um, <laughs> that, would be, that would be amazing. That would, that would be, be interesting, That would right? be fantastic theater. <laughs> oh, that, that, I mean, there must be games anyway, but that would just be – that would take it to a new level. You know, so so it is going to be interesting to see what the Jets do and what the Giants do. And as you mentioned, for the Giants with the new regime, which way are they going? And they're talking a lot of stuff now. I mean, you're talking about moving Saquon Barkley. I mean, Gordon, what do you get for him? I mean, this guy hasn't been healthy. He hasn't been healthy at all past couple seasons. I mean, you know, but I'm sure there's a team that will take him. So, you know, it gets the money off your books and maybe you get some extra draft choices that you could use. Well, look, there's, a, there's been a lot of buzz around it. Uh, a lot of people have brought it up, so there, there, there must be something to it. I just find it very hard to believe that any team anywhere is looking for a running back who's been injured almost as much as he's been healthy, mm-hmm. who's set to make $7 million next year. Yeah. I would yeah. not think that there's a lot of teams in the market for that. I agree with you. I agree. 1-800-919-3776. Let's talk to David. He's in Memphis. He's next on 98.7. I hey, Dave. Irony. A, a, a seasoned subscriber, lifetime Nick fan, stuck in Memphis watching Moran drop 50-something points. And Man. I want to thank you guys for, you know, the insights about the Knicks. And I'd like to offer a topic that I haven't heard Larry, I've heard you speak about it a bit, but as I attend the Nick games in Madison Square Garden, I can't help but bemoan, I'll call it the loss of civility, where fans think that a ticket entitles them to say all sorts of things and shout all sorts of things at players. And I know maybe that's the nature of sports, but I'd like to suggest that in a world where social media gives everyone a microphone, um, people have taken that microphone inside the garden. And I can't help but feel that it does not have a positive effect on the Knicks. And this is not just about Randall. It's about a lot of these guys. I watch them on the sidelines. They seem to be rooting for each other. They seem to be involved in the game. And maybe I'm just overly optimistic, but I'd like to think that maybe we're just a point guard away from having a very, very credible team, somebody who can close it out in the last few minutes, the last quarter. And I see the difference that Morant made for the Grizzlies. Uh, you see it time and time again with somebody like Paul. You've obviously seen it, uh, you know, a resurgence of Golden State, the Phoenix Suns, et cetera. Help but, you know, wonder whether sort of the mentality inside the garden is hurting the team. So I'll pause and I'd love to get your thoughts about what the rights are of fans and in terms of saying certain things and obviously being very, very vocal inside our house. I hear you, David, and thanks for the phone call. Um, Listen, it's a topic that we've discussed here previously and nobody likes to hear negative connotations, right? You, You understand booing, 
if, if a player's not performing well, you get it. Some of the comments, listen, you know, they're not the best. And, and in the perfect world, you know, Gordon, when you've got young kids, you're very concerned about what they're hearing when they go to places like, like you know, public sporting events, whether it's the Garden, whether it's Barclays, whether it's Yankee, uh, Yankee Stadium, City Field, wherever it is. Uh, in the Knicks case, David, to be honest, uh, their head coach is probably about as bad <laughs> language-wise as some of the fans. <laughs> yeah, can't do anything about him, right? <laughs> to, to, be, to be honest, but here's the real deal. And really, when you talk about it, Gordon, you think about it, Evan Fournier told you a lot yesterday with his comments after the game when he said, we have no confidence in the fourth quarter late in the game. And that speaks to point guard play, Gordon, which we all know. There's nobody that anybody has confidence in to direct them to get the shot that they need to stem the tide. There's always runs, okay? And I'm not saying that the Knicks are a great team because they are not. Do the Knicks need more talent? Absolutely. Would one point guard help them? Yes, but he wouldn't put them over the top. But what it would do is in those games where you have the opportunity in a key moment to stem the tide, to get a big basket, that would stop a 12-0 run or a 15-2 run where you could get a basket that gives you, you know, gives you a chance to catch your breath and then you make a defensive play and you come back and get another basket, all of a sudden now, Gordon, you feel that the ship is righted. And that's what this team doesn't have. We talk about the bad plays. We talk about they, they don't cut and all they do is dribble. And you have guys like, listen, Alec Burks, Gordon, he's not point guard. He's not you, a point you, guard. You've ruined his game. This is a catch-and-shoot guy. This is a guy that can put the ball on the deck and get to the basket. That's what he is. You're asking him to look for other players? That's not what he does. And so w when you look at some of the mistakes that the Knicks have had, even when they were successful, like going, get, going to get Charles Smith and playing him at the three, when you know he couldn't guard the three. Uh, you know, doing that, putting people in positions where they don't belong. That's the biggest problem with this team. That's the major mistakes in free agencies that they've made. And from the draft, they just picked the wrong pre people. But from that standpoint, and they did it again. And you mentioned it earlier. You, you're trying to make Evan Fournier dribble to where he's got to go. Oh, my God. Nobody should be dribbling to where they have to go. Pass the ball. Move the ball. There was a, a tweet, Gordon, and I'll let you weigh in on David's comments in a second. There was a tweet by... Uh, I saw earlier today from Mitchell Robinson, who was talking about, hey, you know, it's great when everybody touches the basketball and it moves and it gives you energy and you're not just running up and down the court. And I said this last night. I really enjoy what R.J. Barrett has done, his aggressiveness, Gordon. Uh, yes, he needs to work on his free throws. We all know that. But he has taken that next step and confidence with his game. But in doing so, Gordon, there's opportunities where he, people are now starting to stand around and watch him. And so he's got to get that balance of, okay, let me see if I can make somebody better. Let me see if I can give the ball up. I can. It's clear he can create his own shot. We've seen that. He can go to the basket now. He's, his handle is better. His mid-range jumper is getting better. He understands what he needs to do. We get it. But I'm saying, Gordon, at this point, you got to make some other people better because otherwise you're another Julius Randle. And we don't need two of you. Yeah, I, I got the sense in the in the Sixers game that a lot of that was frustration. That <laughs> he was just like, you know what, I'm to uh, when I'm getting the ball, I'm just taking it right to the rack, and uh, I'm not dealing with anything else. Uh, I, I trust myself more than anybody else. But 
Look, I, we, we've said it, I, I don't know how many times we've said it, about needing the point guard. There's no single position that would improve. Even if the Knicks did not necessarily improve the overall talent, if they just improved at that one position, that would have a bigger impact than any other single position outside of you know finding a, a superstar player at any position. They haven't had a point guard in the longest time, and, and you, were, you were hitting on it that it's almost like when you have a, a pitching staff – and you've got a couple of twos and a couple of threes, but they're forced to be the ace of the staff. If you could find a point guard, it would allow everybody to settle into the right position where they actually belong. Because Alec Burks is, you know, God bless him, but he's not a point guard. I mean, no. what did he play, 35 minutes the other day yeah. and he had zero assists? Uh, but he's forced to play point guard because that's kind of their best option. Uh, that that's that's saying something because the, the moves that were made in the offseason, bringing in Kemba, that did not work. And then the Derrick Rose injury has kind of really crippled the Knicks. I mean, their, their season has fallen apart since he has gone down. So they have to go out this offseason and, and figure that out. I don't know how they do it. It's not going to be easy. You know, there's a reason why they haven't found one in 20 years. Yeah. They don't grow on trees. <laughs> no. And just in terms of the civility, I don't know if he was saying like the civility or that the fans are too hard on the Knicks players. I think it's more of the fans are too hard on the Knicks players. And, wow. and I took it to mean part of that is not just booing, but some of the comments that I'm sure yeah, they're making. Look, yeah, I, I mean, that obviously can't go on and that shouldn't go on. I know it does go on. I mean, I remember being a kid going to a Yankee game. I think it was seven or eight and they were playing the Red Sox and somebody was actually setting a Red Sox hat on fire. <laughs> so, you know, I mean, they're, they're, in some ways we have become far more civil than, than we were in years past, but if you are expect, I mean, Nick fans, they're on board, man. They they want yeah. to be cheering for you, and it they really do. takes a lot for them. I've not been to the Garden in a couple of years now because of everything that's gone on, but it takes a lot for them not to be on board with the team. They and I can get, I understand their level of frustration. Mm-hmm. So if you're expecting that to change, I think you you the team has to be that change. The team has to play better, and then the fans will be on board. The fans. They, they give it. They give pretty good to the Knicks when they're, they're when they're giving the effort, and mm-hmm. not even winning games, but just kind of playing hard and playing with heart. And and how we saw last year, they they weren't a superstar team last nope. year until the mm-hmm. end of the year. They were kind of middling around five hundred. And I don't remember anybody complaining about Nick fans being too hard on the team. No, because they were do. You know, I I watched Stephen A. on first take, and he always talks about his years in Philly. And what Philly fans expect of, of their team and their hardcore and you know, you show up well, it's just like being in New York, Gordon. We expect our teams to dive on the floor, get the loose balls, hustle and work hard. You may not have the best team. We're not dumb. We look on the court, we see what you got. <laughs> yeah. But if you're working, if you're it's the it's the indifference sometimes, right, Gordon? It's it's the fact that the players look like they've lost interest. They don't care. It's and and I, you know, it, it's the same mistakes over and over again. Like, can't you? Why can't you defend your guy? Okay, we, Gordon. I know the Sixers are better than the Knicks. It doesn't take a genius to figure that out. Okay, and here's the frustrating thing: the Knicks were up in that fourth quarter. Frustrating, not that you knew that there was, not that you expected them to win, but the fact that this team is better than you, and you're up in the fourth quarter, and then you just—it's almost like, oh. Uh-oh, what are we going to do now? This is normally when we mess up. And guess what? They did. 
<laughs> they stopped playing defense. They turned the basketball over again. They forced shots. They did everything they always do. Game after game after game after game this season. Yeah, it, it has been it has been consistent. Uh that that has certainly been the case. The the fourth quarters have absolutely killed them and I guess the only silver lining is is that you can't be fooled by it anymore. Mm-hmm. Like if they had, if they had kind of hung into the 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 play in tournament and and made the play in tournament, you could have kind of deluded yourself if you were in Knicks management to say, well, you know, we had a rough year, the the Rose injury, this thing, that thing. Uh, we're not as bad as we, I think now. You have to be. Yep. You have to realize that last year was a complete mirage, and and the and the heavy lifting of this Knicks regime is still to be done. This is ESPN New York Tonight with Larry Hardesty and Gordon Damer on 98.7 ESPN.